This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. Thank you, Dan, and good morning, everybody. It is really lovely to be sharing with you this morning. And last week, uh, we learned through looking at the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, Ruth shared with us in Matthew's Gospel that God has a plan for bringing salvation into the world. And today, we're going to consider how he used an ordinary woman from Nazareth to help bring fulfillment to that plan. We've prayed already, but let's pray again. Heavenly Father, let your word come alive to us this morning. Open our hearts, open our ears to hear from you. Amen. Thank you. I recently attended a funeral of my friend's mum. She was 96 years old. And the minister presented a eulogy, giving details about her, her life that added such a rich dimension that few of us were aware of. And it got me thinking, I wonder what Mary's eulogy would sound like. Often we don't consider Mary's life as a whole. We think about the Christmas story, but maybe we stop there. And we see in Luke's gospel an in-depth account of her experiences. I like to think that Mary gave Luke that first-hand account, that she is a primary source, that she spoke to Luke and told him about what had happened. And we can uh, see in Luke's Gospel um, just what happened to Mary in that extraordinary event. So, today we're remembering a woman who literally changed the course of history. Mary, the mother of Jesus. She wrote a famous song expressing her willingness to be part of God's plan. She believed that God would do what he said he would do. Let's listen to her song as recorded in Luke, sung from a heart of gratitude and awe. It's a song that we know today as the Magnificat. And that in itself is incredible because Mary had a voice. And for women in those times, women didn't really have a voice. But Mary had a voice, and that voice is recorded in Scripture. And here we are, remembering Mary's song. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he took notice of a lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to those who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. 
for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abram and his children forever. It is highly likely that Mary was born in the town of Nazareth. And as in present days, the geographical region of Palestine was experiencing turmoil. In the first century, Israel was under Roman occupation and Mary's experience may have been similar to a French girl living in the Second World War, living under German occupation. She had to obey their rules, adhere to their regime, and yet she longed for a day when liberation would come and her land and her people would be free. Mary was Jewish and had a deep understanding of her religious heritage, observing Jewish traditions. She knew the Hebrew scriptures and God's promise to send a Messiah. But because of the hardness of Israel's heart, for 400 years there had been no prophetic voice, no signs to God's people. Amos 8 verse 11 records this. The days are coming, God had said, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of God. 400 years, silence. All that changed when suddenly Mary was visited by an angel. Wow. Gabriel came and said that she was highly chosen and highly favoured, and God had chosen her to birth the long-awaited Messiah, the Redeemer of Israel, the Saviour of the world. Whoa. <laughs> How must that have felt like? At that moment, her plans and God's plans clashed. Mary was terrified. Mary was a young girl. What? Me? Have a baby? But what about Joseph? What's he going to say? What about my community? What are they going to say? The potential shame, the implications. The angel reassured and comforted her, telling her not to be afraid. And in God's amazing attention to detail, he said, the angel told her that she could share her experience with her cousin Elizabeth, a woman who was well past the age where she could have children. She was going to be able to have her for a bit of support along the way. Because remember, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. At that moment, Mary said yes to God. She was willing to lay down her hopes, her dreams, and let God fulfill his plans and purposes. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. So Mary married Joseph, who was a direct descendant of King David, and heavily pregnant just a few weeks before the baby was due. They made that long journey to Bethlehem, about 70 or 80 miles, as the Romans wanted to conduct a census of all the people that were living under their rule. Even before the baby was born, she experienced hardship and discomfort. Saying yes to God does not always mean that our lives will be easy. And so baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem, fulfilling biblical prof prophecy. 
Mary and Joseph watched and listened in wonder. Shepherds visited them, told them about heavenly hosts and of angels praising God and proclaiming peace on earth. And when they took him to Jerusalem to be circumcised, a woman, uh, a man called Simeon, looked at their little baby and said, your baby is the light of God to the nations. He told Mary her son had been sent as a sign from God, but a sword would pierce her very soul. Saying yes to God brings blessings, but it can also bring pain. Mary and Joseph were in awe when visitors arrived from eastern lands, bringing precious gifts and told them that they had followed a star, which they believed signaled the birth of a significant king. The king was not living in a palace, as they had expected, but was, li but was living with them. And now Mary and Joseph found themselves in the middle of a political storm. King Herod the Great himself wanted to find them, and an angel told Joseph to flee from e to Egypt for safety as soldiers were going to murder any baby babies born in Bethlehem under two years old. After Herod died, they returned to Nazareth, and 12 years later, Mary and Joseph had one of these awful, terrifying experiences for any parents. Their son went missing for three days. Frantically, they kept asking, has anybody seen him? Where is he? We thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. Frantically searching all over the place, they finally found him. Preaching, teaching in the temple. Mary was amazed and she stored these things in her heart. She thought and reflected on her experience, realizing that her son had wisdom way beyond his years. There's no record of Joseph after Jesus was 12 years old, so Mary may have been a widow for the later part of her life, perhaps relying on her eldest son, Jesus, to help manage the household. Certainly at a family wedding, when Jesus was 30, Mary asked him directly to intervene to help solve a very embarrassing situation for the bridegroom's family having run out of wine. Mary witnessed Jesus' first miracle and over the next two to three years, she heard stories of the wondrous works that her son was doing. But the political situation was becoming more and more unstable. She heard rumours of plots to kill Jesus and riots. And one day, she said, to, um, her, she said to the family, we need to go and get him. We need to ask him to come home. This is too dangerous. So off they went. They found out where he was ministering and said, please send a message to Jesus. Come home. I can't bear this. This is really, I'm really nervous. Mary was anxious, really anxious and scared. And Jesus said, Mary, my calling is much greater than you realize. I'm not coming home. So Jesus didn't come home and the situation got much, much worse. Her precious son arrested, tried, humiliated and crucified. A brutal public form of punishment for criminals and enemies of the state. 
Mary's own religious leaders plotted against him, claiming allegiance to Rome in order to kill their Messiah. So Mary finds herself bewildered, broken, standing near the cross in solidarity with her son, witnessing his death in the face of profound suffering. Is this really how it was meant to end? But her grief turns to joy as she learns of the resurrection, marking the beginning of a new age and a new chapter of her life begins. After her son's resurrection and ascension into heaven, Mary is in the upper room with the apostles, united in prayer and waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had told them, wait in Jerusalem until my spirit comes upon you. Some of the followers didn't wait, did they? We know that there was at least two on the road to Emmaus that started walking in the wrong direction, away from Jerusalem. Mary's saying, don't go, wait. We know that all of this is, all of this stuff that's happened is just bewildering. But Jesus has told us to wait. So you could imagine her encouraging them in the upper room. If he's told us to wait, we need to wait. And she, of all of them, had already experienced that incredible overcoming of the Holy Spirit that had birthed in her a new life and a new beginning. And that is the promise of Christmas. That actually, that the Holy Spirit's gift to us coming, indwelling in us, and giving us that new life. So what do, we, what do we think of then when we remember Mary? Her deep faith and obedience to God, a heart that believed the impossible, her humility, acknowledging her role as a servant of God and saying a series of yes to God for his plans along the way. I think about her pondering and her reflection as she witnessed events and words spoken and she submitted her will to God's perfect timing. Her suffering and her strength as she exemplifies a heart of love following Christ to the cross, believing in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring new life. So we think about situations that we might be facing and what can we learn from Mary? Well, are you struggling to believe that God wants to work through you? Mary's story reminds us that is precisely how God does want to work. He wants us to join him in his work. I wonder what God is doing through you. I wonder if we could just stop questioning and trust that he has a plan. Are you facing an unexpected crisis in your life? Be encouraged by Mary's confidence that her son cares about every detail of your life. She didn't, she didn't understand everything, but she shared the problem with Jesus. She simply stated at the wedding, they have run out of wine. She had confidence that Jesus would act in his own way telling the servants, do whatever he tells you. 
And her prayer of faith and expectancy was answered. Whatever your situation is, let God know. Maybe your marriage is in crisis. Maybe you don't have a job. Maybe you're feeling your health is deteriorating. Whatever it is, whatever that problem is, tell Jesus and do whatever he tells you. Maybe you're confused about how all this affects you. Ultimately, God, Mary understood that God's plans were so much greater and complex and perfect than she had ever imagined. The prophets made it clear that God's promises would be fulfilled by a new king, a descendant of David. He would establish God's rule and introduce a new age in which the evil effects of the fall were undone. Jesus says to us this morning, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. She believes in God's plan to make all things new. Let's take a moment of reflection as we listen again to Mary's song. Um, and we take a little bit of time to listen to her response to the angel Gabriel when he told her, Mary, you're going to give birth to a boy and he's going to be the light to the nations, a light to the world. Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made this promise to our ancestors, to Abram and his children forever. Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sunday podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at stirlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Stirling Vineyard Church. <laughs>